Hey, this is James McCoy. Welcome to the James Sports and Wrestling Podcast, where you will hear the latest in sports and wrestling. Nothing here is off limits. So let's get started. All right, guys. So it's been a while, but we got the man of the hour, the Enigma himself. Lane, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, what's going on, guys? All right. So we got a packed episode that we're going to get into right now, and it's going to be all wrestling this whole podcast. And we're going to start off with breaking news that came through early, early this morning. Rey Mysterio has signed a deal with New Japan. And he will now be wrestling over in New Japan Wrestling. And I'll be honest with you, when I saw this, I was happy and disappointed. I really wanted him to come back to WWE. And it's still not out of the realm of possibilities. But to come to New Japan and challenge Jushin Liger, a guy he hasn't fought since 96... That's got money written all over it. Especially for the fact that it, this is Rey Mysterio's first time in New Japan. Uh, this is his debut. And like you said, with the, the, the match that they had back at ECW. And, and uh, look, man, I wasn't disappointed because he said in an interview with Busted Open Radio that he's still in touch with WWE and that he's hopeful for a return. So it's not like Ray chose to go somewhere else. They're still trying to figure stuff out. And this... The the match is in March, which is basically just next month. It's not that it's not that far away. So he can have the match and then always come back to Vince and they can get a deal done and he can come to WWE. And it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they get a deal done before March and he says, Listen, I gotta finish my commitment and then I'll come back. Or now I, I read I read something else where this was kind of the same kind of deal that Jericho had, like a couple match deal. Um, I can't seem to confirm if that's right or not. I do know of the one match is supposed to be Liger, but again, even with Jericho, we thought it was just Kenny Omega, and then all of a sudden it became another match as well. So I guess we'll find out. But I mean, man, Liger and Mysterio. I mean, yes, ECW. They fought, no, 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 didn't they? They fought in WCW. WCW. They fought in. Go ahead. Uh, they fought in WCW. I think they fought in ECW also. I'm not positive, but I, I know they fought in WCW. Well, I remember Ray fighting, um, oh, what is his name? Psychosis. Psychosis. Psychosis is who I remember him fighting a lot of. I don't remember Ray fighting anybody else than psychosis i mean it was like dean malenko and eddie guerrero i mean did we really see anybody fight you know those two fight anybody else well there was a in ecw there was a juventude guerrera was there for a little bit that's right um dean malenko eddie guerrero uh chris benoit they had uh, jericho was even around you know uh in ecw before it's been so long yeah it's been it's been so long even for me because i was 13 when all this stuff happened i was four so <laughs> no, 94. I mean, you, you. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. You were, you were just a little youngin at that time. Man. But, man, I mean, I mean, I, I was up. I couldn't sleep last night. And then it, it came across my screen when I saw it. And I nearly jumped out of the bed. I was like, wow. Here we go. Mysterio to New Japan. Listen, New Japan's doing a lot of great things, like you said. I mean, when I shared that with you and um, you had messaged me about it. New Japan. I mean, are they trying to come up and make themselves, you know, 
You heard about for vents? You heard about the new dojo that they just opened in the U.S., right? That's right. In Long Beach, and with the Jericho thing, the Mysterio thing. I mean, they're trying. I I, I think in another year or so. I mean, give it a year or two. They're really. I mean, they've already started. They're they're going to try to come. I think come for for uh, old New York. I mean, you got to start somewhere in the U.S. And if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna build the company, especially if you're gonna build it globally, like WWE has, you gotta take some chances. And I can give straight up props to New Japan for signing Jericho and signing Rey Mysterio. All right, guys, when we come back, we're gonna hit on this a little more, but we're also gonna talk about another debut that took place last night at Ring of Honor. We'll be right back. gentlemen we are back and we are going to talk about now another debut so this wasn't Rey Mysterio who made news early this morning but last night Ring of Honor's pay-per-view that streamed live we also had another interesting debut um, a women's tournament to determine the new Ring of Honor women's champion that first ever won 16 women tournament 16th woman was Lane Allen. I cannot pronounce her real name, but it was Emma, formerly in WWE. Yes, so, and if anyone knows, Emma did not have a great career in WWE. She, early on, very promising. I mean, the girl in NXT, a great wrestler. But then when she got to the main roster, pairing up with Santino Morello, we all know what happened not shortly after that, when she got busted for shoplifting. And it just seemed like after that, you know, it was just bad break after bad break. I mean, she dealt with injuries and, and you know, a plethora of, a, of other things. And it just didn't pan out the way that we all thought. I mean, she's so talented in the ring. She pretty much is just, pre- you know, has pressed the reset button. And now she has a chance to start building herself up at Ring of Honor. Tennille Dashwood is how you pronounce her name. That's the name. That's her real name. That's what she's going by now in uh, Ring of Honor. So, what do you think her prospects are as far as, you know, what do you think her chances are of winning this tournament? Well, I think it would create buzz. Um, I mean, just like, you know, when Shinsuke came over, now he's the Rumble winner, same thing with Asuka. I think it would be smart for Ring of Honor because now they've got, you know, people that know her. Um, Bully Ray actually is the enforcer of Ring of Honor. When she came out and did her promo, he, you know, convinced her to do a match that night, and they're really trying to push her. I think she's the one that's got the most name, star star power. Um, there's Mandy Leon, who's been with the company for years and was kind of in a Renee Young role. Um, right. That would be, my, but I think Tennille would be my my pick um, for the for the for the Women of Honor division in Ring of Honor. Uh, she can go, she can carry it. Uh, Ring of Honor is good with, with putting on great matches, but their women's division is not like WWE's. Um, I think that's the direction that they should go and that they will go. You know, I kind of, you know, I, I kind of joke about this, but remember back, you know, in the late 2000s, even, you know, 2010s, you know, before this whole women's revolution, how they were calling, WWE was calling their talent divas. And they didn't always have the best wrestling divas. They had eye candy. 
there's some people and there's some girls in Ring of Honor who can go, but I kind of look at it as a division of eye candy over there. Getting Emma, getting Emma is a good start. Listen, there's nothing wrong with good-looking women who can wrestle. Let's just be clear. I mean, that's that's awesome, and I think they're heading in the right direction. I agree with you. I think that should be the direction they go. Do I think they do that? You know, I'm going to say yes. I mean, I can't think of another woman in that division right now who has. Listen, she has Emma has more momentum now. And she hasn't even wrestled the match yet. Then probably some of those women in that division have right now anyway. So I, I agree with you. I think they I think Emma wins this thing. And I really hope she doesn't. Her uh, when she made her debut, that was the most talked about thing. Uh, hashtag with Ring of Honor last night during their free pay per view. I saw that. I saw it on Twitter. I saw everyone was just like. You know, I, I believe if I heard the crowd right, I believe they were saying, excuse my language, but I believe they were saying, holy shit. And this is awesome. And this is awesome. Both. And this is awesome, dude. And, and, and every time I hear holy shit, I will always be remembered of the Brock Lesnar Big Show match on SmackDown when Brock Lesnar suplexed the Big Show through the ring and all of a sudden you hear Taz go, holy shit. <laughs> I'll always remember that every time I hear that. The holy shit moments are one of two things. It's either it was a real shock or it's something fans were expecting and it finally happens. Right. I think that SmackDown one was a complete shock. Oh, yes. Yeah, nobody saw that coming. I mean, I wondered if the ring could ever implode, but when I saw it, I was like, dang, that was awesome. All right, guys, when we come back, we're going to hit on Triple H taking over 205 Live. We'll take about talk about the direction WWE goes after that. We'll be right back. So we're going to talk about, before we hit Triple H up, about 205 Live. I know I said at the end of the first segment that in the second one we would hit up on Ray a little bit more. And I just want to say this. I think New Japan Wrestling, going for it like this, is incredibly ballsy. And I like it. I mean, I really do. I like them taking the chances that they're taking. I like the fact that, that they're not afraid to bring in guys with big name star power like Jericho and Mysterio and pretty much have them there to push the New Japan roster. I mean, think about it. These guys here are going to challenge the New Japan roster to be better. And these guys were already good. I mean, could you imagine what the star power of Jericho and Rey Mysterio is going to do for this locker room? Oh, it's it's got to be a real confidence booster for the guys like this to come over to the other company when they worked somewhere for so long turn up and that he'd never leave but the thing I like about it is New Japan all, they're, they're willing to realize where at times Vince and them won't where, where they're lacking as far as um, getting fans from, from America um, you know they're, they're realizing it and they're saying okay well then let's fix it 
let's get some some of these other guys in here. That that way it'll it'll relate to the American audience. Then the American audience in return will understand what's going on with the actual Japanese guys that have been over there and working. That's built a company in Japan. The superstars over there, and and then you've got every like this year for Wrestle Kingdom, there was twenty five hundred um, foreigners, uh, guys, and things what they call them. That's the most in Wrestle Kingdom history, and that was when you had Jericho on on the card, and the ticket sales did not go up until after he made the first video and challenged Omega. The it was the quickest sellout. Um, well, what was it? It was the quickest sellout, the second quickest sellout in, in Wrestle Kingdom history. So out of 12 Wrestle Kingdoms, the second fastest selling out one featured Jericho. That's amazing. And this is something we're going to have to keep an eye on with Rey Mysterio, see how this builds, like we did for Jericho and Omega. Let's see how this builds for Mysterio and Liger pans out. All right. So this has been a really busy week for wrestling. You've heard a lot of things. We've already nailed on two of them. Now we're going to move on to another one. It appears that Triple H is now in control of 205 Live. And it is being reported by multiple sources that Vince is giving him this control because he's starting to focus on the XFL, trying to get it ready for 2020. So I pose this question to you. Triple H has turned NXT not into a developmental brand anymore. He's turned it into he's turned it into a legitimate third brand. What's he do for two hundred five? I, I believe he does the same thing. One of the things that I've noticed, I've heard guys like say, like Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, and a lot of the Derek Sheets, uh, a lot of them are saying that the you know two weeks ago two hundred five live was really great, and this was before it come out that Triple H had taken over, and you know they, they didn't understand why you know what changed. And it was Triple H's decision to bring in Rockstar Spud and give it to General Manager to make it feel like it's its own show, just like NXT has Regal. And Triple H right. basically came and said, we're going to cut out all the funny crap and we're going to give them more of a Ring of Honor or an indie feel as far as the wrestling matches go, um, minus the goofy garbage, like, you know, for instance, Joey yeah, Ryan's, you know, dick grab, but uh, and yeah. give it pure wrestling. And see, that's what carried WCW. That's what separated them from WWE back in the 90s. Mid-90s was that the fact that they had their own style, they had their own identity. And I understand having 205, you wanted them to have their own their own identity, but it didn't work. Now, we're starting to see more talent. You have a Tommy in there. You have Ricochet that's coming in there. You have Roderick you know, Strong. Strong from Ring of Honor. You have Tyler Bate from the UK. You have the UK champion wrestling on there sometimes. So Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn. Yeah. You're so you're seeing the slow changing of the guard of 205. And I totally agree with you, man. I think we're gonna see 205 be a better show. All right, guys, we wanted to hit on this for a couple minutes longer. So when we come back, we're gonna finish up our thoughts on 205 Live and Triple H before WWE goes from here. We'll be right back. And we are back, and we are going to continue to hit on Triple H 205 Live. So, we talked about how Triple H turned NXT from a developmental brand. It's probably one of the hottest things going in WWE today. 
And we talked about whether he could do the same for 205 Live. And you and I pretty much agree with that. That he will take 205 Live. And if anything else, he will make it at least more respectable and better to watch. Um, so now I I pose this question, but I think Triple H, I think this is a test run. Now look, he got NXT. I don't know if you think if NXT was his test run to Vince McMahon and say, you know what, look, Vince, here's what I can do. I touch this, it turns gold. Okay, so they say, all right, you've done well with NXT. All right, so we're going to give you 205 Live. Let's say in six months, or even anywhere between three to six months, he turns that show completely around. Do you give him control of Raw and SmackDown if he shows that he can turn around Probably the worst show in WWE today, 205 Live. My honest thought and my honest gut feeling is that if Triple H can turn 205, 205 Live around and it's good enough for Vince, I believe this is a test run for Vince to say, okay, look, I'm old. The business is passing me by. Maybe he won't be able to say those words if we know his ego. Basically, I'm going to focus on the XFL now. Now. Now it's yours completely because Vince is going to have it in the next two years. He's going to be working on that, on that brand, the XFL. And he's got a, a huge headquarters right across the street from WWE headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut. <clears throat> so if, you know, Vince is needed, he's right across the street, but he's going to put a lot of time and a lot of effort. And he already put a lot into this. He's not going to be able to do both. And I, I think he knows that. And I think that one of the reasons why he waited so long to redo this XFL, because he wasn't going to let it go. He doesn't take losses very well. Because he waited until he could find he was going to take over. And he found Triple H. And he started, you know, with, with backstage. And he went to NXT. And now they got 205 Live. And I really think that the one thing that separates Triple H and Vince is right now Triple H is able to see that the business is evolving. And guys like, you know, Adam Cole, Aleister Black, Roderick Strong, um, you know, Adeo Itami, um, Neville, guys like that. That's the most popular people in the indie scene. And guys like Bobby Roode and Samoa Joe bringing people that's worked for 10, 15 years, at, years elsewhere. I think Triple H is realizing, okay, these guys have names. Just because they weren't in WWE. They bring up styles. They didn't make a name here. Doesn't mean they don't have a name at all, especially in today's, uh, today's age with technology. So, I think that Triple H can and will turn this to a five live round. And I honestly see between now and 2020, Triple H having full, full um, control. Now, I don't know if that means Triple H is, you know, if it's the company's putting his name and he's now the, you know, CEO and all, or if Vince is still CEO, but Triple H has 100% control or, or whatever the case may be. But I, I see this as the beginning of Triple H taking complete control. That's my opinion. I totally agree with that. I don't see how this doesn't bode well for Triple H in the future. If he turns his show around, I agree with you. I think he will be in complete creative control. I I would even say before 2020, if it all works out. But real quick, before we go to break, I want to hit on, it was something you said about, you you know, people who don't have names as they come over to WWE, but they made the names out on the indie scene. There is a guy right now in WWE who came over after performing for about almost 20 years in other promotions. And I'm going to say this, and this is going to be a very bold statement. AJ Styles 
is making a bigger name for himself in WWE than he did anywhere else. And I'm going to compare it to the Nature Boy Ric Flair, who when he came to the WWE from WCW and the NWA in the early 90s, people knew who Flair was. Flair made a name elsewhere. But as soon as he came to WWE, looking at all the tools WWE had back then to make him even bigger. Look at the tools now that WWE has to make AJ Styles even bigger than he ever was. And we're going to go to break, and we're going to talk about Brock Lesnar next. But as soon as we come back from break, I'm going to finish up on my comparison, and then you're going to tell me what you think. We'll be right back. Fair. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and I want to get back to what I was hitting on before we went to break, and that is AJ Styles reminds me of Ric Flair, and I'm going to give you two reasons why. Ric Flair, when he came in in the early 90s, who was the face of the company? Okay, since AJ Styles has been there, who's the face of the company? Before him, Cena. Since he's been there, he, he is the face. Do you think AJ's the face? Or do you think Roman? Yes. Depends on if you're asking who is the face from the from the fans' point of view or or from the office's point of view. Um, from the office's okay. point of view, Roman, yes. But for, if, you, if you're looking at the actual wrestling fans, I believe AJ right now is the face of the company. I'll agree with that. I mean, I can see why you would think that because the crowd actually loves AJ Styles and you're actually asking from a crowd's perspective. You're right. But the office point of view, it's Roman Reigns. So, when Ric Flair came in, they pushed him all the way up to the top of the company. Ric Flair was a two-time WWF slash WWE champion. AJ Styles, they pushed him to the top of the company. And he's already a two-time WWE champion. Also on top of that, a two-time United States champion. So, if you look at it from that perspective... You look at those, you know, how it parallels. AJ Styles, I already, listen, when Ric Flair went back to WCW, he was a bigger star than he was when he left the first time. Say, say AJ Styles decides to leave WWE in a couple years and say he decides to go back by the indie scene, right? Is AJ Styles a bigger name on the indie scene in two years than he was when he was on the indie scene before he came to WWE? I say yes. Oh, most definitely, because no matter what, no matter what happens, whether he's fired or he wants to leave on his own, he can now go on the independent scene and say, I'm a two-time WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And on top of that, he's got exposure that he wouldn't have got on the indie scene for people that only watch WWE because that's all they know when they think. Now he's got those fans that are going to go follow him to the independent scene. Now you got people that's going to follow independent wrestling more because because of the AJ Styles. I think, yeah, he's a bigger star, and the business is even good from it. Look at, look at Cody Rhodes. But he did, you know, when he left, he was a bigger star than if he would have started out on the independent scene as Dusty Rhodes' son. And it's even good for the business because now the business has grown. More eyes on the product, wherever he chooses to go. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. I mean, as soon as you said, you know, names from the indie scene who've come to WWE, I'm like, wait, AJ has to be the biggest star that's come over and has since grown his product. And listen, if he stays for another two years and continues to do what he's doing, in a four-year span, 
and he continues to say win WWE championships, say he wins five or six, right? Say he wins four to six, say he wins, you know, an Intercontinental Championship, a U.S. Championship. I would put all those up against every year on the NBC. Going back to your point, look at Austin Aries. He was barely there, and he wasn't even a champion in NXT. Then he leaves, and then two months later, three months later, he's back in TNA as the. This That's because they were desperate. Well, yes, but I mean, you, WWE status didn't hurt any. That's true. Totally agree. Yeah. He, he's a bigger star now, and he even says he's open to a return, but that's another story for another day. Is Brock Lesnar going back to the UFC? I believe so. I, I really believe so. Whether it's full-time, or well, when I say full-time, whether it's only with the UFC, or if it's with... Um, WWE, where he did the jump like he did a few years ago and fought uh, Mark Hunt, I believe he has, I feel like he's got unfinished, unfinished business. I do. Yeah. See, I agree. I think he has unfinished business, but he takes enough time off. Why can't you swing it? Unless Dana, Maybe, White's, not, unless Dana White's not open to that, and Dana White says you have to pick one over the other. Brock, he calls his own shots. He doesn't have to go anywhere. I think he's trying to milk this for all it's worth, and that's smart. Do I think he goes back at the end of the day? Oh, my gosh, that's tough. I'm going to say 55, 45, he goes back. It's possible he's playing them, but something else that you give me something else to take into consideration, too, now. You know, Ronda Rousey was one of the biggest stars in UFC. Now she's jumped over to WWE. If you're looking at it from Dana White's point of view, now his world is mixing with WWE. And he might want to keep the distance from it and say, look, bro, I mean, if you want to do it, that's fine. But you, you got to right. pick one together. All right, save that thought. We'll be right back. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Hey, I'm sorry I had to cut it off real quick, man. These five-minute segments, man, let me tell you. Um, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, no, it's all right. Um, so pretty much, so go ahead and finish your thought on what you were talking about. Well, the point was, is if, if you look, you know, UFC and WWE, there's always comparisons. But over the last at least say three or four years there's you know with Brock there's been a lot of crossovers and now you've got Ronda Rousey now she officially retired from UFC a while back but now he's done lost basically one of her biggest stars uh, now to WWE and then with the CM Punk coming from WWE to UFC not working out like it had hoped I can see Dana White's point of view trying to protect what he's got with all the you know my fighters now going to go do fake fighting you know, have fake fighters coming to do real fighting I can see where he's got the mindset you, you got to pick one. You, you can't do both, not with me, at least from Dana's point of view. Well, I mean, look, Dana White can't use that argument to stand on anymore because he took Conor McGregor and he took him in, took him into Floyd Mayweather's world. Now, granted, listen, boxing is a real sport, obviously. WWE's fake fighting. But Conor McGregor had no experience in a boxing ring took him into a whole new world and said, just look, here you go. If, if Dana White were to try to use that argument, I'd laugh at him because it's, you can't use it. Now, are you really going to tell Brock Lesnar that he's a fake fighter? He'll kill you. <laughs> He'll be like, excuse me? Um, right, but if you start to look at it, is Brock Lesnar going to draw the same kind of money that McGregor versus Floyd did? Depending on no. who fights. Now, if you were to fight John Jones, if John Jones stayed clean and they built towards this, I think it's possible they come close to matching, if not beating, 
May, you know, Mayweather and McGregor because John Jones, the biggest name in the sport, beat Daniel Cormier to reclaim his light heavyweight championship that he had never lost. And then the rumors were already being fielded after that. LeBron okay, well, look at it from this point. Look at it from this point of view, though. When you had McGregor versus um, Mayweather, one, you had a lot of people that wanted to see Mayweather finally be defeated. Two, you had a lot of people that wanted to see Conor McGregor get his ass knocked out. But three, you had fans from the MMA world, and you had fans from the world. So now you've got two different worlds coming over. And like I said, he was undefeated. McGregor was the hottest thing at the time. Could Brock and John Jones do great business? Yeah. I think even if they were to put Brock with, you know, say, uh, McGregor, they could do money. But I don't know if it would be the same money that McGregor and, and Floyd did. They could come close. I'm not saying they'd be way, way off, but I don't see them matching. Especially on today's age with all the, you know, uh, uh, streams on the internet and, you know, YouTube and stuff like that. I don't see them doing that now in this day and age. Well, Brock Lesnar, listen, you also have to think about it. Brock Lesnar, look at Brock Lesnar is a former UFC heavyweight champion. So it's not like Brock Lesnar coming back there is his first rodeo. He beat the legend Randy Couture. Now, I don't care how old Randy Couture was. The fact he won that heavyweight championship at, what, 46, 47 years old. And Brock beat him. So Brock was a former heavyweight champion. So when you put that in, into perspective, Brock Lesnar has a good resume. John Jones, again, the biggest name in UFC. Pretty much undefeated. The only reason he has one loss on his record is because I think he got disqualified. So Jones, in my mind, I look at him as Mayweather because it's like he was undefeated. He only got disqualified. So you put those two against each other and say Las Vegas, Nevada or New York City in Madison Square Garden, then you could easily sell it. You could easily sell this thing out. You could easily make it one of the biggest UFC main events in history. So if it's offered to Brock, does Brock take it? Or does he leave it and stay with WWE? If that UFC match with John Jones is offered, what does he do? Depend well, well, that's the thing. I guess it all depends on when... See, John Jones has a hearing coming up. He passed a lie detector test about willingly taking steroids. So he will have a hearing pretty soon to see what happens. If he is cleared of everything and he can come back and it's offered, I'm Brock Lesnar. I take it. That's I a good point. I mean, yeah. I take it. All right, so we're going to do one more segment. When we come back, we're going to wrap everything up, or we're going to finish up this Brock Lesnar segment. We'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back to wrap up our episode. But when, we, when I went to break, I thought about your question a little bit more. And I think I may have to reconsider my original answer. And here's why. If you're Brock and this fight is offered to you, I agree the only way you take it is if Jones is cleared. But let me ask you. This thing on Jones, the fact that it's now the second time, say he gets cleared for this one, and it just goes back to one. So let's say Brock has offered this fight, and it's cleared, and, and Jones is cleared. Does the fact that Jones was accused a second time, the fact, does this stay with Jones, and does that 
kind of lessen the impact this fight could have? Or do you think it improves it? Does it give John Jones like a road of, you know, road to redemption that might actually sell the fight a little bit more? I mean, you can always do the road to redemption story, but also he's been suspended for a while. And now you've got the new guys that are coming in. You've got the new talent. You've got, you know, you have the people that are there. Um, but also something that was also brought to me, and this is kind of something that I thought of because of something Emily posted on fa- on the Facebook group. But um, she made a comment. Why- wrestling at Facebook. Check it out. Why would you want to, if you're a Brock, why would you want to give up all that to go to UFC? But think about it. Brock could have one fight and make a lot of money and not have to worry about showing up here and there, have to worry about doing media, any of that. All Brock would have to do is have the one fight and make a ton of money, then he wouldn't have to worry about anything. Well, that's what so, and I were talking about between breaks is that, he, he, I mean, he makes the most money in WWE, you know, including with, you know, merchandise. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think Cena's is number one anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong. Even with merchandise, I don't know. Is Cena still number one or is it Brock? Because I think it's Brock. I, honestly, I, I believe uh, if I, I understood it right, Roman right now is number one. Roman. Okay, well, well how about this? We're going to check it out. We're going to check it out. And then for next episode, we'll, we'll update that. But I Roman Reigns. Roman on top. I've seen lists where it's had Roman, but I've also seen lists that's had Brock. So I want to get a, you know, I, I do want to get a clear answer for who it is because that's an interesting question. But that is. you're right. Why can't Brock swing this to have a fight? What, unless he wants to go back and have one more big run. If he wants to go back and have one more big run and say, hey, I can win that heavyweight championship again at age 40 or 41, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with a guy who has a personal goal in mind, you know, because he had to cut his career short. The only reason he came back to WWE was because he had that bout. Oh man. Oh, what was it? The one where he just had the the, the, the disease. Yes. And he lost a lot of weight and it could have killed him. He was, he was out, you know, between fights for a very long time. He came back, he lost to Cain Velasquez and he just wasn't the same. And so apparently, you know, not apparently, but he, he cut his career short because he had to think about his long-term health. Then he comes back to WWE. He's on this, you know, light schedule for the last four years. So his body pretty much has all. And maybe he's thinking to himself, I can do this. I want one more run. If that's the case, I'm all for Brock going back for, for that one more run. I mean, if he can, I mean, I think it'd be interesting. And, you know, I'd rather see him in UFC than WWE, to be quite honest. Yeah, he doesn't need to be champion anymore. I would rather him stay in WWE but not be the champion because he doesn't need the belt. Because he doesn't need the title. I mean, he's wasting the value of a championship that a full-time guy could be defending. Especially with it being a new champion. How do you expect to elevate it when the champion is not there? But every now and right. Yeah, well, we all know it's going to be Roman. Everybody but anybody but you, Roman. Um <laughs> but, but, but that's just pretty much it alright guys we're wrapping up this episode today you guys have made it to the end thanks for hanging out with me be sure to hit the clapping button so that I know which segments that you like the best also be sure to hit the star button to favorite the station and share it with your friends you can also find this podcast at Apple Podcasts Google Play and Pocket Casts so we were going to hit on Enzo Amore but we ran out of time so I'm going to save that for Tuesday so I don't know Lane if you if you want to be in for that if you do let me know 
All right. So Tuesday we'll be in there. We're going to talk about the developing statements there. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday. See you guys soon. Okay, guys. Hey, listen. So I did my outro, but I just thought of some things as I was, you know, labeling the episode and I'm sorry, the segment. Brock Lesnar going back to the UFC is still a very intriguing option. Brock Lesnar was in the UFC, like I said before. He was the former, he won the UFC Heavyweight Championship, I believe, in his third fight. Brock Lesnar now, as the reports are out there, are saying he wants to go back. Dana White said he would not be shocked if Brock Lesnar came back to the UFC. That tells me right there, there's already been discussions like, hey, Brock, when your contract's over, hey, buddy, would you like to come back to the UFC when your contract's over? Probably like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing with Brock and Dana. Those two continue to talk. I'm sure there's something in the works. If Brock Lesnar wants to go back and make one final run at a championship, I'm cool with that. Now, let me be clear. He's never come out and said this. You're, you're not going to hear Brock come out and say anything like this. But why else would Brock want to go back? What does Brock have to prove? I mean, really. You know, he had to cut his career short due to a life you know, to a a life-threatening disease. He's completely 100%. He's been back in WWE for over four years now. I mean, almost six, I guess, if you think about it. Came back in 2012 or 2013. But he's back. And he's been back. And he's been on the lightest schedule that anybody's ever been on. Part-time. Shoot, you can probably call it barely any time. So his body's healed up. What does Brock Lesnar really have to prove? I mean, because I... (laughs) I'm all all for guys who have a personal goal and they want to try to achieve it. So if he's saying, and I'm saying if he says this, that, hey, I want to see if I can accomplish by coming back and winning the championship again. That's cool. I'm all for it. But if you're Brock Lesnar and you make close to over $10 million a year, let's just say you make nine, nine million a year, right? And you've been back for four years. Four and a half. That's thirty-six and a half million dollars. Plus, think about it like this: they've given him more money when they've added more dates to his contract. They have added dates to his contract where they put, and then they put more money in his bank account. Now, obviously, we don't know how much money that is. We'll never know. So, and Brock can call his own shots. Brock can say, "Hey, I'm going to come back here, and I'm going to come back there, and I'm going to fight this pay-per-view or this one or whatever." or what have you he calls his shots so why would Brock want to leave that behind that's an intriguing question that will play out over the next couple months his contract actually ends shortly after Wrestlemania I'm sorry I thought it was SummerSlam Dave Meltzer I believe I believe came out and said that there's a clause in his contract that if WWE chose to invoke it would keep Brock past SummerSlam because there's already rumors of Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley after Mania so we'll see what happens there if Brock chooses to up and leave and go to the UFC obviously that will never that will not happen if Brock wants to go back to claim the heavyweight championship I'm all for it if Brock is just going back for one fight it better be one fight that brings in 
that brings the house in, that brings all this money in, because who are you going to put him up against? I mean, the only guy, the only guy I could think of in the heavyweight division is the UFC heavyweight champion, Steep Machocic, or however you pronounce his last name. I, I, I apologize if I'm butchering that. He is the heavyweight champion that has defended the UFC heavyweight championship more than anybody in that division ever has, three times. And he'll defend the title again soon for his fourth time against Daniel Cormier. So say he gets past Cormier. And Brock says, you know, I want to go back to the UFC. That's the one fight outside of John Jones, but we don't know if John Jones will ever come back. Brock Lesnar versus the UFC heavyweight champion. I'm just going to call him Steep. S-T-I-P-E. That's the fight. Because he's built. And if he passes Cormier, one of the best of all time, then he has built his brand up enough to fight Brock. That that will bring it in. So that's just what I wanted to talk about here, just to clear all this up. See you guys on Tuesday, 7.30. Have a great weekend, guys.